I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Let the congregation say amen. amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Elder Park and Elder Marufo, Eldris, Eldrita, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. It is inspiring. Yes. It'd be more inspiring if there was some cash in it. Somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, um, when, when my kids were quite young, um, two and three, I had basically brainwashed them up to this point in their life. Um, so right when they came out the womb, one of the things I started doing immediately is I would take the, the eldest one, Michaela's hand, and I'd put it on mine, and I'd put mine on top, and then I'd ask my wife to put her hand on top, and then I'd go, all in. And then I'd cut three, one, two, three, and then we'd throw our baby's hand up in the air, and we'd go, we were doing that with her from birth. And then our son came along about 19 months later. Guess what? We started doing it with him. And I'd call, all in. And then we'd put our hands in. i count, one, two, three. I did this so much that any time of their lives up till they were three and four, I could say, all in. And no matter where they were at, they would come running. They, it was like the calling for their lives. They would just, ooh, ooh. And they'd come in, and they'd put their hands in, and I'd go, one, two, three, and we'll, ooh, 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 ooh. And I loved doing this in public places. <laughs> My wife is not a public figure. So I do it right in the middle of the mall, you know, and they're like wandering out. And my son, he's like slender and, and handsome, but, but back then he was like, like large and bold. And I love that. I love that. He's just, oh. And so they'd be walking around the mall. And in the middle of the wall, I just wait, you know, until people started crying. I say, all in. And then he would go, oh, all in, all in. And my wife would just be embarrassed. Oh, my goodness. Why do you have to do it right here? Hurry up. Hurry up. I did this because I wanted them to have something to rally around, that when they heard it, in their minds, they would associate, this is a calling for me to refocus. This is a calling for me to recenter around something. And it would draw them. So no matter what they were doing, and oftentimes as kids do, they would fight. They would bicker. They'd be angry. They'd fuss over a toy. And all I'd have to do was say, all in. And no matter what they were doing, no matter how engaged they were, they just couldn't pull themselves away. And they had to come and put their hands in there. And we count off all in. I did this because the life of a parent is challenging and kids get distracted easily. But you know what? So do us adults. In the Christian world that we live in, it's easy to get distracted. And I wondered to myself, as I accepted this call a few weeks ago, 
how do I rally us together? How can I call us all in and bring the community to envision something much larger, much better, much greater than that of our individual lives? How could we do this? Especially following the heels of it, a phenomenal pastor. Some would say she's the Meryl Streep of pastors. <laughs> How do you follow such a courageous leader? How do we create a task of being united again? Especially in such a difficult time and era where the world is more riven than ever, where it's segmented, where the us versus them culture is so strong and thriving that inside the church, sometimes we come to sit only so that we could see those who are them and not us. It only takes a, a moment to, to, to see what's happened in Buffalo, but not just Buffalo, as well as in Orange County. We see it across in Ukraine. There's a divisiveness, a spirit that is not of God that presses us to be us versus them. We have a nation of people who are seeking to trim their friends list down. Trim it all the way down to be exclusive to a few who think, who live, and who like similarly to us. Whether socially or religiously or politically. In fact, the author and pastor Albert Tate laments that these days, the elephant and the donkey have been doing more discipling than the lamb. As we all spend numerous hours a week watching and listening and, and, and transforming our ideas, informing them about other people according to people we listen to who aren't paid to unify us. This is the world that we live in. How does one call everyone back all in? It is a task. I'm comforted by the fact that in the book of John 17, Jesus is at this task too, amen? In fact, Jesus is praying about this task. You know it's a big problem if Jesus got to pray about it. Somebody say amen. <laughs> right? This is Jesus, the one, who, the, the one who walks in water, the Alpha, the Alpha. This is, this is the, the, the Logos, right? The Word was with God. The Word was God from the beginning. All things that were made were made through God. This Jesus, he's got to pray about the issue. I don't know if you've ever been to a doctor's office where the doctor's got to call a doctor. <laughs> you know you're in trouble when that happens. Hey, uh, is there a doctor? No, you're the doctor. <laughs> what are you doing? Brother, this is a real problem. I need a doctor. And then the... <laughs> Jesus is in prayer over this issue of unity. And if he's in prayer about it, it means it should be serious and somber enough for us to pay attention. It means that we're going to constantly live from generation to generation in empires, in nations, in countries, in worlds that will seek to divide the followers of Jesus. And we've got to be sharp about this and call us back together so that the church can be the church. We don't have to have a social ethics as a church. The church is a social ethics. We are the reflection of kingdom living so that when the world sees us, they say, how is it that those human beings get along in that place? It is because of Jesus. It is because 
of Jesus. There's a lot of people who are trying to figure out how to unite the church. And some people, they try to unite it around amazing praise and worship. By the way, can we just thank our praise team? Thank you, praise team. That uh, delicious piece of chocolate on the base, that's one of my bromances. <laughs> Love that guy. You know what? I look around, I got a lot of bromances here, Glenn. I got a lot of bromances in here. Jesse, I got a lot of bromances in here. And I just want to apologize to all the wives. I am so sorry. As those of you who don't know me will get to know me more and more, I love people and I love being around each other and I, and I just love building that sense of community and and maybe it's, maybe it's praise and worship, right? Maybe, we, maybe churches are trying to build their church around praise and worship, whatever that may look like. Maybe it's a chorister. Man, you know, I, you know I've got, can I just say this? I really love a good chorister. Can somebody say amen? amen? Choristers and praise people are different. Praise people are like the, they're like the cheerleaders of the church. They're in the back. They hate life. <laughs> Everything's going wrong. The people are showing up late. Now, and then, hey, happy Sabbath, everybody. Let's praise the Lord. Come on for Jesus. Choristers don't play around. Choristers are gangster, man. Choristers walk up here like this. Chorus one, two, three, go. Praise God. You know, they don't smile. You better sing with them. You need to catch up with the chorister. Maybe it's around praise. Maybe some churches unite around really amazing production. Right? We're like, man, you come in that place and it's an experience, man. You walk in from before the doors and someone has driven up in a little cart to drive you three feet to the front of the day. They're there. In fact, next week, I want to be, um, I want to be lowered from the ceiling if that's possible. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I came from a poor church. This is a rich church. Y'all going <laughs> to help me out, somebody. Yeah. You better believe it. <laughs> Maybe we're trying to unite around attracting people of similar mindsets, similar worldviews, similar political leanings. Maybe we want to build a church or, and try to gather people around uh, uh, being more conservatively minded for life or woke and progressive. Can I just say this to all of us? No matter what your leaning is, if you're a bad person, you're just a bad person. Yeah, you can be all right with that. That's right. I just cut all of us down. <laughs> the politics of Jesus is, is, this, is this loving and beautiful and mighty thing. And yes, it does lean into to, to all of these places that, that the church may not always feel comfortable about, but we can do it together. And just because you're in the right doesn't mean you're right. Everybody ask a spouse about that. <laughs> Yo, you can be happy or you can be right. Somebody say, be happy. <laughs> Single people learn that. It is not as easy, I, I realize, and as simple as I've just put it out there. There are places where it's really close to our heart. And there's a struggle there are times when we want to be angry and when we're, when we're triggered. 
because the world has just been that tough. I get it. I'm with you. But we can do this together. You see, Jesus in this prayer says, as you, Father, and I are unified, they will be united to us. In other words, our coming together isn't based on our similarities. Our coming together isn't based on our commonalities. Our coming together is based solely on the love of Jesus. It is him that connects me to you. And you and I may not look alike or do alike, but this Jesus has moved us and loved us alike. And so we are called to move forward in this uniting with God. Otherwise, we get caught up in trying to make church this consumable product for everybody to get a quick piece of and, and, and live their life. But we weren't made to consume worship. We were made so that worship would consume us. Too often we've allowed the, 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 the world around us, this consumeristic, individualistic life worldview to grapple us to the ground and lose sight of the most important things that the kingdom has before us. We cannot be about that. It is not enough for us to come and consume worship and then believe that somehow we are now part of church. Just because you came and consumed worship doesn't make you a part of church. It makes you a consumer. Somebody say amen. It makes us consumers. Just because you enjoyed yourself, just because it felt good to you doesn't mean God was satisfied. One isn't a Christian just because they enjoyed the fruits of a worship service. It just makes us Consuming something that makes us feel good. But faithful worship, faithful worship, according to Mark Laverton, the author of Dangerous Worship, faithful worship asks whether we are seeing and living in God's reality or in the fiction created by our own fallen lives. When the church is at its best, we will come to be loved to love, to be together, to participate, to learn, to toil, and to live functionally together. And the world may look upon us and say, wow, indeed there is a God. Because I would have never expected this person and that person to be sitting in the same church. But because God is alive, God includes both of us into his kingdom. Tara Beth Leach asked in The Radiant Story, what if gathering isn't only about me? What if gathering isn't about my own personal preference? Imagine a church that doesn't show up for me, but shows up for us. What would it look like if my first thoughts were for someone else? Instead of saying, man, you know, how was church? Man, let me tell you, that pastor was way too long, man, let me tell you. Lunch was at 12 o'clock. This brother had the nerve to keep on going. He's at the wrong church. <laughs> when we speak in this way, right, or, or man, I just wasn't blessed. I, I wasn't blessed enough. That talk is consumeristic talk. That talk says, you haven't done what I need you to do. The problem with consumerism is that, that we have the power, not God. 
So here we are together. But what if the church isn't about me? What if it's about us? What if, what if it's about um, uh, 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 seeing what God is going to do in your life and deciding that I'm going to come along with that? I have a, I, I, I've coined a little term. Nobody says this. It's not even popular. It's nowhere beyond. But I call it divine stickiness. I call it divine stuckness, right? It means to be stuck with each other. Hey, you're stuck with me. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Mark chapter 4, uh, the disciples are with Jesus. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. The disciples go, and they begin to go to the other side. And as they go, the text says in Mark uh, that other boats followed along. And as they followed along, all of a sudden there was a huge storm, a squall. From that point forward, you never hear again about the other boats. My thoughts on that is the boats saw the storm and said, not today, brother, not today. We're going back. But guess who couldn't go back? The disciples. These brothers were stuck in the boat. Regretfully so, they woke up, Jesus, hey, Jesus, come on, we're going to die. But here's the thing. If they weren't decidedly stuck from the beginning of that journey through this boat, they would have never been able to experience the miraculous transformation that Jesus did on the other side. To be divinely stuck together means you and I are deciding to stick through things. We're not going to agree on everything, but guess what? I'm going to keep showing up and eating your food because it's free. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're not going to like the same kind of music. It's all right. We're going to stick this out together. Turn to somebody and say, We're going to stick this out. We're going to stick this out. You and me and us. Together, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, Christianity means community through Jesus and community in Jesus. No Christian community is more or less than this. Hey, if you are visiting to support today, thank you. To my family who came, thank you. To my friends who came from all over the place, thank you. To those of you who visited just to see what this weird guy's about, thank you. <laughs> now I'm going to invite you to go home now and get stuck to your churches. I'd love you here, and I want you here. But guess what? If there's a church that you, you, you know, you got your name there, go get stuck. Go get in a storm with some of those people. But you know what? Those people get on my nerve. Yes, they do. Guess what? That's life. If we don't learn how to deal with each other, if we can't reflect that through our differences and through our, 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 our complete, uh, 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 you know, this thing, what is that? Somebody tell me. Yeah, you know. You get it. If we can't get together, you know, just because, because that's how we are, that's a part of life. And if we can reflect to the world that, ooh, even in these places, Jesus is doing something, then the world can say, wow, God really is doing something. He must be a living God. So I want you to go home to your churches. And I want you to get stuck there. Those of you who are part of this church, I know, I'm sorry, you're stuck with me. 
Macomb Conference doesn't even want me back anymore, guys. I'm sorry. I want to invite you to come get stuck with us here. We're not always going to have the most amazing praise or the best production. We're not always going to have preaching that's going to make your eyelids just pop off. But I tell you what, we're always going to run after the heart of Jesus. We're going to make it practical and tangible. We're going to create a sense of inclusion in this place so that anybody who walks through these doors can find a home with Jesus. I will protect you and your children and your family and your brothers and your sisters because this is the place where Jesus resides. This is your community. Come get stuck with me because I'm stuck here. We don't always have to like the same things. My wife is a meat eater. I'm praying for her soul. <laughs> no one's perfect, y'all. I'm vegetarian. I'm definitely making it. <laughs> come get stuck. This is what kingdom come means. We're connected. And you're going to go through stuff, and I'm going to be all right with it because we are in this together. We're connected like my guy, Bud. Bud Minton. Everybody say Bud. Bud. Everybody say, thank you, Bud. Thank you, Bud. Bud, I saw you here somewhere. Where's Bud? Anybody seen Bud around, Bud? Oh, man, that's my guy. Bud, would you stand up, please? Let's give Bud a big round of applause. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I got to tell you a quick story about Bud and me as we close. Bud decided to stick to me. He decided we were going to be stuck together. One night, we, 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 um, we, we took the call here, but we had no home. We, and we realized that rent here was just as expensive as buying here, right? And we just couldn't find a place. We couldn't find anything. And then when we, we tried to bid, we got outbid. We got outbid a ton of times. Nobody in Riverside wanted us to move here. I almost thought, Jesus, you don't want us to come here. My brother was like, yeah, that's right. It could just stay with us here. Just stay in L.A. Riverside is of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One night, one fateful night, Heather texts me, and it was like maybe 10.30 or something, which is not late, but she, hey, uh, do you have time to talk? I said, yeah, 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 hit me up, hit me up. And so uh, we talked, and she says, listen, I was just working out uh, with one of our members um, where he wants to get involved this next time around, and he said that um, he's, he's going to move. He's going to move um, to this uh, beautiful uh, veteran's retirement place, um, and he looks to be selling his home. And I know that maybe you were looking for something, were you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she says, okay, okay, well, uh, here, give me some number. I called Bud up. Bud's like, hey, why don't you come on over here on, a, on Friday? We'll talk. If your wife likes it, we'll just go to escrow. Excuse me? <laughs> Brother, I haven't even met you yet. I mean, you know, you got you to gotta buy me dinner. We got to talk through some things before we make some heavy decisions like that. Come on over, come on over. So I came over, and you know, the first thing I thought to myself was, oh my goodness, I'm going to meet this, like, this veteran platinum man who's lived uh, amazing nine decades of life, and you know, he's upstanding white gentleman, and I'm coming in there looking crazy, because my hair wasn't even done. I was like, this guy's going to look at me and be like, no, sir, not you. <laughs> not at all. So I'm like, use some proper English. You can come in there, use your proper English. Hello. 
Bud looks at me and goes, hey, pastor. I said, hey, you know me? Yes, we met at the church. Come in. And instead of talking about a house, we ended up sitting there for like three hours talking about life. A couple weeks passed. Then I realized, oh, snap, we can't afford Bud's house. So I was like, hmm, let me hit Bud up. Hey, Bud, thanks for the opportunity. But we fall short. And Bud says, I got this. I said, no, Bud, just look for someone else. Put it on the market. You'll do much better. You're going to do fine. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll work this out. It's, it's, it's a bit of a travesty, but we'll work it out. He's like, hey, 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 hey. I said, we got this. The Lord believes we can do this. I said, okay, preacher, preach on, preach on. <laughs> he said, no, don't you worry. I'm going to call some friends. 90, you got friends? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got friends. I'm going to call. Well, it hangs up. A couple hours later, hello. Hi, my name is Sandy. Who are you? I'm Bud's friend. Oh, snap. <laughs> Long story short, on Wednesday, we opened escrow. This is not to speak for anyone else's situation or life. This was our life and our situation. And I thank Bud for sticking with me. He didn't have to. You see, my man could have gone on the market and he could have been a billionaire. (laughs) Because the market is crazy right now. But he chose to stuck with me. This is what church is. It's not cool praise music. It's not cool production. It's not an awesome preacher. It's you and me being stuck together through the storm. So I want to invite you. Would you get stuck with me on this new jersey? God bless you.